never say die! Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and I have to be Jello. My best friend's wedding? Nobody? It's been. Yeah. It's going to be a long fucking show. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and beans? Uh, yeah, so. um... <laughs> I saw that movie in the theater. I just realized I, I forgot all about it. Yeah, I did. I did too. And yeah. it's it's been a while. Uh, so yeah, this episode we are talking about Cameron Diaz. Indeed. And, yes, and Cameron Diaz movies and shorty shorts. Three thumbs up. Is this is this one forty six or one forty eight? One forty six. Okay. Is well, it? Show, yeah. Show notes is wrong. Right, there we go. And this has been a very divided episode amongst our listeners. No kidding. I had no idea how many people hated Cameron Diaz, and I just don't get it. Hmm. Well, I told them to wait, and we would give them a little exposition at some point as to why we chose her to do a show on. But we'll get to that later. Indeed. But if you don't want to wait till later, you'd like your <laughs> podcast fix now. You can... <laughs> Always <laughs> over to the podcast collective. You like that? I do. That was a good throw to yourself. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I guess no one else is going to say anything, so I'm just going to pull one out of nowhere. Yeah. The podcast collective. You can find such shows as us and uh, No Hope for Humanity. There we go. And uh, the Bad Parenting Podcast, Joel's own Happy Pants Hour, and uh, the Pool Boy. With Scott the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) Man. (laughs) No, I realized I said it wrong the second it came out of my mouth. I said, just go for it. Roll with it. All right. Yeah, no, that's the Internet with Scott the Pool Boy. (laughs) (laughs) With Pot the the Pool Boy. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start a a podcast. I'm going to call myself Pot the School Boy. Pot the School Boy. (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, if uh, you're potting a schoolboy on Saturday at noon, <laughs> someone call the police. You can yeah. uh, turn on Geek Life Radio and hear us. Uh, hear our most. Well, you wait show. for the cops to show yeah, up. Yeah, really. You might and be Jared. Help yourself to some brownies and lemonade. Ew. If you're looking Fresh. for looking for some other uh, other shows of ours, you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and Talkshoe. And if you'd like to give us a call. Give us a ring at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And we have one this week. We, we have Ooh. a bunch, but I, I'm going to have to go into a bit of explanation, because uh, otherwise Nenomalus is going to think I'm censoring him. I was just about to shout that, censoring! No, we, I got three voicemails that uh, I could barely make out from Nenomloss, because it sounded like he was inside a dryer that somebody turned on, but Mm. I can at least sum them up and or assist with the Google Voice transcripts, which are kind of hilarious. We haven't done this in a long time, Google Voice transcripts of uh, voicemails. Yeah, because unfortunately, they just, like, were barely audible. Like, you could sit down and study them and figure out what he said, so I can sum them up and we can address his complaints. Comments, etc. Let's roll with that then. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll start with that. Uh, 
His first voicemail, according to uh, Google Voice, says, Everybody, listen, Halo 3, S-A-K-S, Oxygen Tank. What's going on? <laughs> I've been offered out of the podcast listening. I've been listening to a logger. Which currently now <laughs> listening to your spice-like interview show. And you guys get to the part where you have no voicemails, and I hear Joel in the background. I'm here. Hey, you know me. I'm stuff Facebook every fucking day. <laughs> but regardless, I'm calling a voicemail. I'm sure I had a point at one point in time as two. <laughs> What's his voicemail was going to be about other than, hey, what's up? But trying to sync back your job show. And I was a good one. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to shut up now. I'm not going to leave you hanging like some other household us. And pretend there's more contactor. Leave after dramatic pause on my father's are unintentional. Yes, they're nonetheless. So if you made it to this whole one, congratulations. I'm not sh even sure how it sounds like you got all my windows up this time, but I got my air conditioning class in full because it's fairly hot here in Northern California. That's it. Bus to the front and keep up the good work. That's what happens when you listen to a logger. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd say that Google Voice did a pretty damn good job. That's probably exactly what he said. Well, uh, that was the first one. <laughs> oh, shit. Second one is shorter. Hey, it's me again. I meant to call because earlier, that's your phone, Firefly's here to fuck. You're the one I'm, I'm the fuck you. I know Dave promises. You know, fucking Father Doug McKenzie has ever heard of a CD? Dude, fucker. Thomas, dude, I mainly got my instruction on that show, Grace Under Fire, how my mom liked to watch it, and he was on it, but I thought grass they've spoken, Thomas imaging, fucker you know. <laughs> so, what I got from the actual voicemail there is he was losing his shit over the fact that Mike didn't seem to know who Dave Thomas was. <laughs> okay, for clarification, I know there's more than one Dave Thomas. Just commenting that it was the Wendy's guy was funny. That's, that's the thing. That's the joke. And I'm pretty sure the whole grass they've spoken imaging was uh, about the fact that he was about to uh, lose his shit about Joel saying that Super Mario uh, Brothers was Atari. But I called him on it, so he calmed down. <laughs> well, uh, that being said, we have an actual audio. Oh, I have one more. Oh, wait, there's more. Yes. <laughs> uh, according to Google Voice, Miss Fucking Beauty. <laughs> Mr. Key Franco's voice of Miss Fucking Biggie Oaks. You guys what? don't know what your guys on your quote unquote authority on things. The snow check shit. How many more <laughs> neck her? She's my daughter. Fuck shit. <laughs> okay, this so one. He was not happy with our interview show, apparently. <laughs> what? Well, no, they. That had nothing to do with Franco. That was Frank Oz. He was oh. losing oh. his shit because no one said uh, that Miss Fucking Piggy, uh, Mr. Frank Oz, was the voice of Miss Piggy. Uh, and that was the thing is when we were going with it, I actually noted that. But like someone was riffing on Yoda versus Grover. And I was just like, I'm frequently the well, actually guy. Uh popping in with a clarification or a correction. I was just like, they're having fun. They're making jokes. 
So, no, I, I did catch that. We did drop the ball on it. And I actually but... fucked Miss Piggy. Who cares? <laughs> Ew. Uh, you do it. So, yeah, I'm sorry I wasn't able to play those, but uh, <clears throat> literally, aside from the profanity, you can make hardly anything out. I had to listen <laughs> to each of those, like, three times. Well, we can't wait to hear the actual voicemail now. That should be... <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, let's let's go. Let's see what this says. Hey, guys. It's Justin from Portland here. I am making my way through your jobs episode. And you have currently just asked the question about what was the worst job you had in your childhood. And um, mine, is it's kind of a weird way. It wasn't necessarily the worst job, but there was experiences at it that made, it made certain nights absolutely horrible. I was working at a Chaco time when I was in high school. And it was in a sketchier part of town, and we had um, what I would refer to as a serial masturbator that came um, through every once in a while. His, his uh, MO was he'd come to the drive-thru, order a single cup of coffee, and then he'd come out of the window, and when the person working the window, if it happened to be a female, he'd whip it out and just start trying to go to town, um, thinking that, I don't know, I guess he thought in his mind that they would enjoy it or something like that. So, uh, I didn't know this when I first started working here, but I guess it's been an ongoing problem for a while. And after the third time it happened while I was on a, while on a shift, I was talking to the you know, person who was running the drive-thru, and I simply asked her, like, what did he order every time? And she's like, well, he orders coffee. And at this time, it was back before, or right around the time the whole McDonald uh, lady mel- melted her crotch coffee debacle, and we kept our coffee at a similar temperature. So I told the girl, like, the next time he does this, just accidentally kind of bump your hand in the drive-thru window as you're handing him his coffee, make sure the lid's slightly off, so you're not completely sealed, and just dump the cup of coffee on his dick. And it would never happen again. And uh, she refused to do that. And to this day, I don't know how much more it kept happening after that. I left shortly after. But, um, yeah, at the very least, three to four times that I can recall, we had a guy that would just come and yank it at the drive-thru window, and they refused to let me call the cops. No one wanted to press charges. It was just like, you know, another day at top of time. So, yeah, that was that was a strange experience. And, you know, it took kind of a strange job in general. We always had a lot of weirdos come through the door due to the part of town it was in. Love the show, guys. Take care. Bye. I thought he just meant he was really into Captain Crunch. I love the fact that there actually is a place called Taco Time. i got to start going to Taco Time. <laughs> they know you at Taco Bell. <laughs> Every time. Like if they're not going to throw coffee on my dick, I'm definitely going there. <laughs> I'd like a coffee, please. You're not even you're not even jerking it when you come through. They just throw coffee on your crotch. <laughs> I had a bad vibe about that one. <laughs> <laughs> you give him a second, he totally would have. Uh, we also had a uh, very recent show suggestion on our Facebook page. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I saw that one. Someone wants us to do uh, Game of Thrones then and now. Yeah, Karen. <laughs> yeah, listener Karen said, fan request, a Game of Thrones episode. I'm not sure if you're all fans, but I'd love to hear you guys discuss it, especially after this season ends. How many seasons are there? Six. Mm. Okay, so I'm Six, five behind on the seasons. I've only seen season one. Same. And I need to read the books, which is a lot of pages. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of pages. Hmm. Hey, but by the time you're done with all that, maybe he'll have written the next one. <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe. Oh, keep 
your fingers crossed. Oh, I'm so tired of waiting. And just because of that, another Stark dies. <laughs> well, well there's all over the internet today. He was sitting down with Stephen King and he asked Stephen King how he wrote so fast. <laughs> He's like, Which... first of all, I don't hunt and peck. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, George R. R. Martin write, has written the entire series uh, one with both his index fingers, and that's it. What? Well, he yeah. keeps going to get coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget about that time on the trampoline, too. But yeah, mm. he, he he literally just one finger at a time. Tick, 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 tick. So, Are you serious? I'm deadly serious, yes. That's messed up. On an old, old word processor that's not even hooked up to the internet. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So if that thing goes down, so it could be on like 99% done, he gets yep. a power surge and the entire book is wiped out. Yep. That's awesome. So he's he's <laughs> writing on diversity? <laughs> All right. Old, so yeah, old, it's wow. so about that time now. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Ah, thanks, thanks for the throw, Joel. It's about that time. This week in music. Movies and TV. All right, so we are going with the August 30th, 1972. That is the day that Cameron Diaz was ejected from a vagina. Her mother's to be specific. (laughs) I'm 10 days older than she is. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so music, 1972. The number one song is the acronym of the week. We are starting early. It is AA, parentheses N. Yes, that's Anal Aardvarks 9. (laughs) Man. One through eight just didn't chart. I'm really glad it didn't have to do anything with nuns this time. That's what I was anticipating. (laughs) So, but Gilbert O'Sullivan wrote it. And it's Alone Again, Naturally. Oh. I hate that song. Oh. Yeah. Aw. It hits too close to home. Oh. oh. <laughs> wow. Now I really hate that song. <laughs> so, that, anyway, that uh, that's the number one. That followed up by Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. Great song. Yeah, yes. and apparently uh, secondary titles in parentheses were popular back then that's a thing yeah and uh followed up by baby don't get hooked on me by cocaine really Ah. no no never know it's the 70s man brand i think brandy or fine girl is probably one of my favorite songs it's a good song it's serious early 70s absolutely yeah seriously good karaoke stuff i don't know it what yes you do you totally know it how could you not know brandy or fine girl because I don't. You you know Brandy, you're a fine girl. Trust me. Yeah. You know it. Hang on. Okay. We're gonna do this. I'll I don't. I don't. It's by the Looking Glass. I don't guarantee we're not gonna get a Fire Phone Google ad Fire from phone. Google. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh yeah, I know that one. Hang on, hang on. Here we go. How can you not know this?
Anything yet? No, but I like it. Shut up. Bullshit. I refuse to believe that a music guy like you has gone this far without hearing this song. This is such a great song. I, I can only hear so much in my lifetime. I refuse to believe this. I, I think you're yanking us. I've never heard it before. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 yeah, here we hang on. Okay. No? No, it sounds like it should be in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, but no, I've never, wow, never heard crazy. it. Wait, wait a second. Did you see have you seen Anchorman? Yes. It's in oh, Anchorman. That's true. Yeah, it is in Where is it in there? I don't remember, but I know it's in there. Yeah. Uh, all I a remember, background song at one point. I'm pretty sure I've heard that song this week. All I know from Anchorman is the whole boo. You know, Did you, the, wait, 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 wait. Did you watch Charlie's Angels this week? Uh, yeah, I own it. I didn't watch it this week. Tom Green sang Brandy, You're a yeah. Fire Girl on the boat. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I have to watch it again. I am stopping this show right now since I am the closest. I'm going to drive out there and slap the shit out of you right now. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That how wouldn't you, be the first time. How have you not heard this song? It's kind of cool. It, I yeah. don't know. Definitely go listen to the whole thing after the, you know on the break or something. It's a great song. I used to play it all the time when I DJed. Yeah, I never heard you DJ. That's true. You didn't come to hang up ever. I, I came to one of your places once. I was very out of place. Uh, not at Phil Sports, by though. Fuck that, Phil. <laughs> all right, next. I like the thing that Phil is actually a listener now, and every time you say that, he just <laughs> <laughs> he cries a little. Oh, they're talking about... He's like, I should reach out to him. All right, so I I still can't... I'm not, that's going to bug me for the next three days, the fact that you have not heard that song. But uh, on August 30th, John Lennon and Yoko Ono headlined the one-to-one concert at Madison Square Garden to benefit mentally handicapped children. Like Yoko Ono. <laughs> <laughs> you would not. I knew you wouldn't let me down. <laughs> uh, Elephant's Memory, Roberta Flack, Stevie Wonder, and Sha Na Na also perform. Elephant's Memory? I've never heard of them. All right, now we're going to do this now. They, were probably they, they, they opened for Looking Glass once. And they're a big hit working for Peanuts. <laughs> Uh, American rock band formed in. Oh no! That you know what it was? It was Plastic Ono's Elephant's Memory Band. Okay, uh, that explains okay. they worked with Yoko Ono. Which is now oh, I've never heard yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, we don't care about them at all. The associated acts are John Lennon, Yoko Ono, the Plastic Ono Band, and strangely enough, Carly Simon. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Lale, Lale. Lael. That's a weird name. Lael Anderson was a German chanson singer-songwriter best known for the song Lily Marine in 1939, which became popular on both sides during the Second World War. We listened to this before the show, so we're going to spare the listeners this song. <laughs> yes, that is 100%. Yeah. I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Now I'm getting, I am seriously getting in the car right now. Uh, Nazi <laughs> officials did not approve of the song, and Joseph Goebbels prohibited it from being played on the radio. She, that's Lael Anderson, not Joseph Goebbels, died of a heart <laughs> attack in Vienna on August 29th at 67. It's about a lamppost. That's the best I got out of it. All right, so movies. 
Deliverance is a number one movie for six weeks in a row. Ding, 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 ding. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> That's for Josh. Yeah. That's kind of weird. I've seen that movie once, and that was enough. You squeal like a pig boy. I've seen it once, too, and yeah. That movie is, is a, it's, it's a tough movie. Yeah. Burt Reynolds, Sans Mustache. <clears throat> That's so the hardest part about it, man. But he is a badass in it. <laughs> so, uh, Chris Tucker, American actor from Rush Hour, Friday, and The Fifth Element, among other movies, was born on August 31st. And you know this, <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. What was that? That was my Chris Tucker impersonation as done by Woody Allen. <laughs> you got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> So, uh, August 30th was also the release for The Last House on the Left. Speaking of hard movies to watch. Right. That's true. Never seen it. Not, that one was harder to watch than Deliverance. Not in my, uh, even my peripheral vision on that one. That's Wes Craven's uh, inaugural film. Yep. So, uh, the top shows on TV are All in the Family, Sanford and Son, Hawaii Five-0, and Maud. It's a solid lineup. God bless you, B. Arthur. Sanford and Son was actually hilarious. Oh yeah, I used well, to watch yeah. That. All in the and film. Maud is part of like <clears throat> massive crossover town. Oh yeah. You big dummy! Your shirt looked like a curtain. <laughs> <laughs> All in the family. That that was my Red Fox, as done by uh, Chris Tucker doing Woody Allen. <laughs> There's a really weird image going on in my head right now that you said <laughs> that, and it's... So anyway, Bob Barker, he began a 35-year run, damn, as host of one of America's most popular game shows as a price, The New Price is Right. Really? There was one before that? It's shown for the first time on CBS. Barker hosted the show, later simply The Price is Right, until June fifteenth, two 2007, whereupon it was taken over by a thin Drew Carey. <laughs> and that's just... Weird. Don't forget to spay and new to your pets. That's right. I think he should have come up with his own thing. He should. So wait, if they called the it the new price of prices right, was there a price of price is right before that? Indeed, yes. from 1956 to 1965, it was hosted by Bill Cullen. Jeez, how long has that thing been on the air? Then Bill I can't Cullen. do the math. Did we go to school with him? Eighty years. Oh, look That's at that! A guy. Pretty sturdy loop. <laughs> wow. Very nice. So, uh, August 26th, TV Guide discontinued the practice of using a C to indicate color programs and instead starts using BW for monochrome, saving a lot of printer's ink in the process. At the time, about half the t- of the TV households in the U.S. had color sets. Huh. That's crazy. Wait, Red Fox was black? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mike can you imagine how hard it would be to find a black and white TV now? I just changed the settings, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would think you could still get one at, like, a flea market. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, uh, sports. Sports. Joel, I mean, I mean, uh, Patrick went a little nuts here. <laughs> <clears throat> So uh, Marvin Harrison, NFL receiver and member of the NFL Hall of Fame as of this year, was born on August 25th. What's the deal with Marvin Harrison, Pat? Oh, he's just a, one of the most prolific 
receivers in the NFL history and stayed with the Indianapolis Colts throughout his whole career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> All right. So uh, the 1972 Summer Olympics opening ceremony occurred in August 26th. These were the second Summer Olympics to be held in Germany, the first being in 1936 games in Berlin, which had taken place under the Nazi regime. Mindful of the connection, I don't think they've forgotten that. (laughs) The West German government was eager to take the opportunity of the Munich Olympics to present a new democratic and optimistic Germany to the world, as shown by the game's official motto, the Heitrin Spiel, or the Cheerful Games. (laughs) No, no, do not look that way. Look this way. (laughs) This is where the cheer is. Do not look over there. This Olympics was when Mark Spitz won seven gold medals. The Soviet Union led the world with 50 medals, and the U.S. second with 33. East and West Germany combined for 33 also. We are cheerful now. (laughs) But they still don't understand humor. They get it. They just don't have time for it. You you have to let a German know that they're going to tell you, you're going to tell them a joke so they can put it in their schedule. They they kind of killed off all the funny people a few years back. <laughs> Yikes! Oh, that a bake sale? <laughs> wow! <laughs> I knew it would make Pat laugh. He just went. <laughs> that was a good joke. God damn! Uh, That's I'm- not right. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. Uh, Holy shit! Um, Pat, Pat's yeah. gonna steal that one. All right. Yeah. I saw that. Note to self, Mark, not safe for work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think we lost that somewhere in the voicemail. Yeah, I know. I just, it just auto does it now. So, uh, on August 31st, the last game of the chess match of the century between Bobby Fischer and Boris Bosky started in Reykjavik, Iceland. After the 40th move, the game would be adjourned. Fischer would win the next day as Spassky did not even resume play and was considered resigned. And then he became the First American World Chess Champion. His prize money was strangely specific at one hundred and fifty-four thousand six hundred and seventy-seven dollars and fifty cents. And I was very impressed with you saying the name in Iceland that I cannot seem to repeat now. Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Yeah, now, that was actually, good. I've had a lot of practice because the <clears throat> CEO of my previous company is from Reykjavik. So when we did the uh, we did the um, orientation, we had to say that a lot. That's impressive, though. I'm so no. sorry. Moving on. And now is where I'm gonna shit the bed. <laughs> Dalip Singh Rana was born August 27th and became better known by his ring name, the Great Kali. <laughs> Fabulous he. <laughs> in his time with the WWE, at seven feet one inches and three hundred and fifty pounds, he was described as the eighth. Tallest professional wrestler in history. He is also the single largest human being I have ever seen. You've seen him up close? Yeah, I uh, did catering for a WWE event a uh, while back, (laughs) and the great Kali was up at the food line getting a plate, and the dude was just like, he's so big... He may, he doesn't, he almost doesn't even look like a person. Like everyone else looks smaller. And most of the time when I was actually eating there the at the other table, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes were complaining about their cell phones. <laughs> Hold on. Here's a picture of him next to John Cena for, uh, for reference. reference. Damn. 
Yeah, dude he, he is just, just massive. He lives. He lives actually about half an hour away from uh, where I live, and every now and then you run into him at a bar and you see him. Ouch. Yeah. And he and he's he is a big big dude. That's crazy. I can't I mean, yeah, like he looks like a cartoon okay, almost. Done. All right, so I'm just <laughs> just looking Punjabi Playboy. And on 3rd of October in 2008, Daredevil Johnny Knoxville aired an interview with Kali and his translator on his website, Jackass World, blah, blah, blah. When Knoxville asked about Kali's tallywhacker, Kali became upset and threatened to tip the interview table onto Knoxville. <laughs> Kali He's like, hold on, wait, let me get the cameras rolling. Kali later invited Knoxville to attend the thir- uh, October 13th episode of Raw, where Knoxville was attacked by Kali. <laughs> Kali, oh wait, no, no, he was not just Kali, uh, Beth Phoenix and Hornswoggle. <laughs> I want to see that. The fact that Hornswoggle, and then he be- took on a more fun persona, he became, they hosted the week Kali Kiss Cam. That's kind of strange. Alright. So there you go. On to Cameron Diaz. <laughs> so. Uh, I did not realize that there was so much hatred of Cameron Diaz. Yeah, I mean, you had people talking about how the least favorite actress, uh, people wondering why why we did this topic at all. They hate us because they ain't us. Nobody, <laughs> well, nobody says point where that. I, they hate us because they ain't us? I, I think we should give just a little bit of preface as to why we chose her over other actresses that we were considering. Which, when we were going down the list, because we've never done a, a focus show on a female. Yeah, we have. That's we, not true. Our first or second focus show was... Gordon. In a while. Okay, fair okay. enough. I was going to um, say, Sigourney Weaver was, like, our big one. She was our flagship, yes. Yeah. Um, it had been a long time. We did a lot of male focus shows. And looking through people's filmographies and other things, she had a very balanced breakdown between then and now. Movies that we've all seen a lot of, and she seemed to be pretty popular, and so, yeah, I was a little shocked. Seemed to be. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, for a long time, she was Hollywood's it girl, and people could, like, take me to task over that, but in the early 2000s, she was the highest paid female actor. Yeah. We actually, you're, okay, you're cutting a little bit ahead to the lines, but... Forbes. No, I didn't even read those. I yeah. just happened to know that. No, in 2010, Forbes ranked Diaz as one of the richest female celebrities, number 60 out of the, the wealthiest 100. Yeah, and I want to say a few years before that, she was commanding the highest acting price per film as well. She was the second female act, a female actress, second actress to be in the 20 million, 40 million dollar club, just after, uh, what's her face, Aaron Brockovich. Uh, Julia, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, yeah. yeah. Uh, and she got that amount for, uh, which one was it? It was, uh, Charlie's Angels, I think. Or no, 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 it was, uh, Full Throttle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so right. she, she pulled the, uh, she was the second actress to get uh, some ridiculous amount of money, like $40 million to be in a movie. Jeez. Yeah. So, uh, here a little trivia about her. What? But she began her career as a fashion model at the age of 16. 
Um, reading up on her, I did also discover that her parents, when she turned 16, said, hey, go ahead, travel the world. And she moved on, did stuff in Australia, in the uh, Indonesian area. She literally moved across the entire world just doing her modeling thing at the age of 16 with another model. So that's kind of strange. Uh, at the age of 21, Cameron Diaz auditioned for The Mask. Uh, based on the recommendation of uh, one of her agents for the Elite Modeling Company, who she worked for. They met with the producers, and uh, she had no previous acting experience before this and took lessons before being cast. Uh, after that, Mass became one of the top ten high, highest-growing films of uh, 94 and launched her as a sex symbol. That's and also one of the first films we all saw together as a group. Yep. That is true. And- where we realized that Jay had a thing for her. Indeed. A thing being his penis. Three thumbs up, as he said. All Which right. I think we all kind of did after that. But <clears throat> so uh, Yeah, I think we had kind of like varying opinions on the movie, but we all liked her in that. Yeah, I think that was the, the big consensus, honestly. Yeah. So she was also... Uh, Scheduled to perform in the film Mortal Kombat as Kano, but uh, had to resign after breaking her hand while training for the role. So, me not being as big of a Mortal Kombat fan, how would that casting have fit in your No, role? Mike was joking. It was yeah. Sonya Blade. Yeah, it wasn't Kano. I was hoping that... Right. Yeah, I, I, that's I, I thought it was Goro. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just mean in the movie itself. I mean, would it have worked if she had actually... I know if she'd been Sonya Blade, movie. it would have been fine. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have been... It was, it was so early in her career, I don't think it would have been that big of a hoo-ha. Well, plus she uh, looks the part, and whatever you say about her script choices, I think she brings a lot of charisma to whatever she plays. Oh, which she, is one of the reasons for years she got typecast. Yeah, she's got charm coming out of her ears. Hmm... Okay. <laughs> That's not uh, she received critical acclaim for her performance in Being John Malkovich in 99, which earned her Best Supporting Actress nominations at the Golden Globes, BAFTA, and SAG Awards. Yeah, probably the first time she really significantly played against type. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that later, but uh, she has also been in long-term relationships with uh, Carlos De La Torre, who's a video producer, Matt Dillon, Jared Leto, Justin Timberlake, I almost said the New York Yankees, but no, it was just <laughs> Alex, it was just Alex Rodriguez. A Rod, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so first movie we have all seen her in, The Mask. We meet again, smoking. I, see, I yeah. here's the thing: is what do you mean, yuck? I, I, I I'm kind of with Joel on this. I read the comic books when I was in high school, and I fell in love with the character, and I used to draw him a lot. So I was excited when I heard they were going to do a movie, but they watered it down so much from what the comic was that it was just it was just a vehicle for Jim Carrey to be goofy, which is fine. I have no problem with Jim Carrey, and I, I got to be introduced to the world of Cameron Diaz, but I didn't care for the movie that much. Hmm. Yeah, I know you love it, Mike, but I, I, I've always been kind of lukewarm, partially uh, due to familiarity with the comic book, and also I think this was kind of the start of Jim Carrey becoming completely undirectable. I love. I will. I loved it. I watched it again. 
and it is kind of like chewing tinfoil now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there. it's another one of those things, like when I'm watching the original Voltron with the kids, I'm like, there must have been something wrong with me. <laughs> that I mean, we're on fire. I, yeah. <laughs> if, if you ever needed evidence that your tastes have changed over the years, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, one thing you know, I will say the music is fun. You know, and the you know the mm-hmm. dance scenes are kind of goofy, but it's you know it's a comic, it's a comicy movie, and I think with the way of it being true to the comic, that would have been really pushing hard R, considering how violent yeah. the comics were. Oh yeah, absolutely. This was in the early days of not really knowing how to adapt comic books to movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So, uh, in her in this, she's the mall, pretty much. I don't... Mm -hmm. I mean, she danced. She, uh... They dubbed her voice when she sang, I believe. Yeah. I mean, for, for a first exposure type movie, this is totally fine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what better way to start out than with somebody like Jim Carrey in your corner? And uh, I mean, she she garnered a ton of attention. Exactly. So uh, after this, she played Jude in The Last Supper, which only Joel has seen. And I'm not surprised by that. (laughs) Well, it was it was kind of an independent, independent ensemble movie, uh, dark comedy about uh, a group of friends that would get together and take some sort of a, a person that was lonely and give him one last supper before they poisoned him and then buried him in the backyard. And, um, Oh shit. Did, did we watch that movie together? That sounds familiar. I thought you guys had seen it. I, honestly. you know, I may have seen this. I'm thinking it was, of the gazebo. It was the mid nineties. I mean, when, uh, I mean, there was all kinds of ensemble. We, films we may have watched and, it at the house actually. And, and lots of dark, <sighs> dark comedies like this were being made at that point. So I, I, I'm yeah, fairly did, certain did, you brought did it. Did we home. watch it the same night we watched Open Grave? Shallow Grave? Shallow Grave, yeah. Possibly. I mean, it had Ron mm-hmm. El- Eldard, Annabeth Gish, uh, Courtney B. Vance, Ron Perlman. Um, it, it was a, I mean, it was a smaller film, but it, it was enjoyable. I mean, it was a good, good little piece of cinema. Gish. Mm-hmm. All right. So after that, she is in the movie She's the One as Heather Davis playing opposite, uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston. Yep. So that definitely, if you want to. Okay, talk, so I did. I did see this one. You've seen this? Yeah, I'm pulling a Josh. The Last yeah. Supper, you mean? <clears throat> no, she's the one. Well, I know I've seen. I, I think I've seen The Last Supper, and I know I've seen she's the one. I remember it, that movie. It it was um Ed, Edward Burns' follow up to the Brothers McMullen. It was part of his his trilogy when he first. Oh crap! I'm scene. also pulling a Josh. I've totally <laughs> seen this one. <laughs> Yeah, where um, him and his, it's a, you know, a, a New York Irish family and um, he f- ends up falling in love with, it's it's a big love story, back and forth sort of thing. Music by Tom Petty. Okay. So, uh, out of shows uh, how great that is and the fact that two of us forgot that they saw it. Yeah. <laughs> After well, it was all right. The sure. album, I think, won a Grammy for his, uh, his, his album that he wrote for the movie. Oh, nice. So after this, she played Freddie Clayton in Feeling Minnesota, which nobody has seen, but also a point going into the uh, playing opposites of people that are going to trampoline her career. Uh, she played opposite Ken R. Reeves, and there was Dan Aykroyd and Courtney Love in this also. That was at his weird point where he was kind of past Bill and Ted, but not quite Neo yet. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> 
It was, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was in that. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like Delroy Lindo, even though a lot of people couldn't pick him out of a crowd. I know who he is. Yeah. Have you seen? Yeah. And then uh, after this, she played with Harvey Keitel and Craig Sheffer in Head Above Water. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Something that the the picture, the poster has murder just became a water sport. All right, moving on. Yeah. It's a remake of a Norwegian film called Hodet over Vanette. All right, so nobody's seen that, but Joel has seen Keys to Tulsa, where she played Trudy. She also played uh, opposite uh, Eric Stoltz, Julianne Moore, James Coburn in this one, and uh, James Bader. So How did I not see this? I don't know. It looks like a murderish type thing. Again, it's another one of those mid to late 90s ensemble films where they get a bunch of people in a movie together. The script is decent. It's got kind of a indie vibe to it. It's and... got Mary Tyler Moore. What the hell? <laughs> it, oh, it's, <laughs> it, it's worth seeing once. I mean, it's not fantastic. It's not something that is memorable. But with a cast like that, I mean, you can't. Yeah, I mean, normally, it. like, mid to late 90s with Eric Stoltz is my jam. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how I missed this one. I would recommend it. Just at least, I've at least one I've never understood watch. you and Joel's obsession with Eric Stoltz. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's okay. He's, he's phenomenal. Only, he's only a couple degrees above Robbie Benson. What? You take that back. <laughs> take that back. <laughs> All right, so uh, after that was My Best Friend's Wedding, which I was told I saw in the theater by my wife. <laughs> because I know I put it down because I know I saw it because apparently I was with her. Uh, she played opposite Julia Roberts, who was the hottest thing ever at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Rupert Everett and uh, Philip got Philip Bosco. It's a great name. Uh, which actually is going to be remade in 2016. Really? Yeah, but in China. Oh. So, see, I I think, I, I think I've seen this one. My I, best friend Redding. <laughs> what? I'm not a huge fan of romantic comedies, but one of the things that always stood out for me about this film in particular is that it showcases Cameron Diaz as a charismatic actress. Because normally, like, the bride of the guy who the lead is going after would be a one-note kind of villainous shrill... The bridezilla type thing. Yeah, and she is an incredibly sympathetic character. You're able to still root for the lead, Julia Roberts' character, but have a great deal of sympathy and like Cameron Diaz's character. That I do remember is that I, if I'm remembering the ending correctly, he winds up going with he, uh, Cameron Diaz. I mean, Cameron Diaz does wind up getting married. It's not that trope of him marrying his best friend type thing. Am I right in this? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I remember that being cool. You know, it's not like the standard, oh, you've been in front of me my whole life type of thing. And he actually married the woman that he's supposed to marry. Which or had said I, he was going to marry. I think that's one of the reasons why it works so well is that it, it kind of went against type, um, <clears throat> and everybody in it was very committed to it. And I, I had totally forgotten about it until we started talking. I mean, I know I'd seen it because I owned it, but, um, yeah, it was really well done. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's the thing is since it's a romantic comedy, a lot of people's knee jerk is just shit on it. And I'd say <laughs> give it a shot. It's, it's, it's not, better than you think it is or remember it being. Yeah, it's not It's not as bad as any, probably 75% of the other 
romantic comedies that are out there. But in this one, it was also uh, a vehicle where Cameron Diaz was able to show that really charming side of her. It's called her ass. So a life less ordinary <laughs> has been seen by me and Joel. That's that's the noise I make when I grab a woman's ass. No, that's, that's the noise you make. Right. That's the noise they make. No that's a rape whistle. No one's ass makes that noise. You make that noise for their asses. So, Joel, I watched this with you. Mm-hmm. All I remember is a really weird musical number. It's it's a Danny Boyle film um, after Train Spotting had hit uh, about Ewan McGregor, who plays a cleaning man in L.A., uh, takes the daughter's boss hostage, who is Cameron Diaz, um, after he gets fired by being replaced by a robot. And they go off on some wacky adventures. There's two angels in it that are uh, Delroy Lindo and I forget the other actress's name, Holly oh, Hunter. No. There's a musical number. It's kind of a crimey type caper sort of thing. It's it's. It sounds it's, like it has a lot of irons in the fire. But it works. And it, because it's Danny Boyle, he can handle all those irons and make them make sense. The only bad thing about the movie is Ewan McGregor was still not sure what to do with his hair. <laughs> I think he, had, he did whatever they told him to do with his hair. He had about a decade where he didn't know what to do with his hair. Now that's a really weird complaint, man. It it, it he's uh, I don't know. All right, so after this, she was a TV reporter in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, kind of a bit part. Yeah. I mean, probably not really worth running the movie down because no. she was barely in it. Yeah, because unless you're uh, either Johnny Depp or Benicio del Toro, nobody remembers it. Uh, there's something about Mary. <laughs> this, this is, is where think, things happened. This is, I think, where everybody, if you say Cameron Diaz, this is where it pops up with her hair being all funky. Uh, guys who did Dumb and Dumber, the Farrelly Brothers, and Kingpin, uh, grab Cameron Diaz, Matt Dillon, and Ben Stiller, and do this. Now, yep, this happened. I what? remember watching this movie with Dennis and Reichert. The Sunday I came back from Gen Con. So I was, that was, that was the year that we were still up in Milwaukee. I drove the van home and don't remember passing, uh, the airport. And by the airport, I mean O'Hare. I just remember suddenly being in Oak Park. <laughs> I, I blacked out after we left, uh, Milwaukee and I came back when we were in Oak Park. So I have no idea how we made it home. But they called me when I got home. They're like, Hey, you want to go see something about Mary? I was like, all right. And I, first, I laughed really hard at this, but I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I hadn't slept in four days. It's funny. I don't, uh, I mean, it could add something to do with it, but I mean, it's a, it's a very funny movie. Great cast. Great music. It's got very funny moments, but mm-hmm. it, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really, well, first of all, a lot of stuff that doesn't hold well over time. Like yeah, Chris just... Elliott. <laughs> I like Chris Elliott a lot. I but... like Chris Elliott, too. That's where Pants comes from. He, he just, he loves gross-out humor, and I hate it so much that uh, while I have liked him in certain things, I j- default have a negative opinion of Chris Elliott. Just just me. That's funny, because after I watched uh, Charlie's Angels, I watched Kevin Boy to clear my palate. <laughs> yeah, he was all right in Kevin Boy. 
It was his movie, I would hope so. I don't know, Andy Richter kind of steals the movie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're not talking about that. Chris Elliott, that's another show. Yeah, we're talking about something about Mary. Gross out, jizz hairdo. Franks and beans. Franks and beans. And uh, I love when they're carrying him out on the stretcher. He was masturbating! <laughs> who was who, who her actual boyfriend? Brett Favre. Uh, thank you. I couldn't think of his name all of a sudden. Yeah. Brett Favre. Who can't act. So, uh, for as rude and as awful this was, it was actually pretty dang funny. She, yeah. And again, she plays the charming one. She plays the perfect woman, basically. Yeah. Did she do a shorty shorts dance in this one? Yes. I think so, yeah. Okay. That and just seems to be her wheelhouse. She had two <laughs> scenes where she was in the window in her underwear dancing around. There, I mean, that just seems to be... I mean, I started started watching with... Um, what did I start watching with? Charlie's Angels. And it seemed like every movie that she has been in, she's dancing in shorty shorts. That's because she looks good in shorty shorts. <laughs> Indeed. Well, and this this launched her career. I mean, this really put her on the map and made her a household name. Yeah. So after this, she decides to go in the opposite direction and plays in very bad things with Christian Slater. Ugh. Um, I haven't seen this, but I really think I want to. Yeah, me too. Ugh. It would. It it's very average. It's it's not as bad as people say it is, but it's definitely not good. Peter Berg directed it. It's about a, a another ensemble film. Uh, where a bunch of guys get together for a bachelor party. They kill the prostitute um, on accident, of course. And, uh, quote-unquote, hilarity ensues. It's it's a dark comedy, quote-unquote. Oh, crap, I've seen this. Here but we it's, go. <laughs> it's just mean-spirited and horrible. There was nothing yeah. redeeming about this film. I felt like, dirty. None of the characters, by the end of the movie, you don't care about any of them. They're all terrible people. Jeremy Piven is terrible anyway, well, and he's in it. Daniel John, Stern is a dick anyway. So it's... I like Daniel Stern. John Favreau, of course, was good. Leland Orser is good. Christian Slater, good. But, yeah, I Kobe do not recommend Ty. it in any way, shape, or form. No. Oh, Kobe Ty. Okay, her. Um, she plays the prostitute that they killed. Ah, yep. yep. All right, so after this, she takes another weird turn. And plays Lottie Schwartz in Being John Malkovich. And this is the first time I have seen Being John Malkovich. Really? Really? Re- Jesus. <laughs> it just seems like it'd be your sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it was. It. <sighs> Cusack, man. I was going to say, I, just Cusack alone. I know, I know. It, Cusack. It was awesome in this. And if we were what, if I had gone back and said, I'm going to watch this for the Cusack show. I totally would have instead of what I watched. But that being said, I did not know that it was her until Suzanne pointed out to me that's where, look at, that's who she is. <laughs> I had no, I watched a movie for a good half an hour waiting for her to show up. That's awesome. Until Suzanne's like, no, she's right there. I'm like, where? She's the one in the cage. Are you sitting there with her and you're like, when is Cameron Diaz going to show up? That's pretty much how the like conversation went. I can, I'm just waiting for, I'm wondering what part Cameron Diaz plays. And Susan's like, she's right there. She's his <laughs> wife. I'm like, no shit. I had to pause it. And like, and it wasn't until there was like one brief moment where Lottie actually smiled. And then I knew who it was. 
But holy, you're, cr- you're soaking in it. Yeah, but it was. I mean, honestly, I was really impressed. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. Yeah, it is <laughs> Heads so up, weird. Malkovich. It is so strange. This is, and I will have to say, this is one of the strangest movies I have ever seen. And I've watched some weird shit because I've gone to Blockbuster with Joel. It's but good. it's so good. Yeah, it was. It was good. It's strange. I mean, I give her. She won a lot of awards for this too. Uh, she, I believe she got a BAFTA, and you know she's got a, she got a whole bunch of other awards for this one. And I give her complete and utter credit for this because for being the cute, shorty, short wearing, dancing around the bathroom type of character that she has played in pretty much everything else, uh, being John Malkovich was a, such a twist for her, such a change for playing this insecure, mousy, frizzy haired Lottie Schwartz. That I really gave her credit for this. I thought I thought it was good stuff. Absolutely. Plus, if you think you've seen everything, you haven't. Not until you've seen Being John Malkovich. Oh, Malkovich, Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich, Yeah, that whole scene is just so good. I have seen this. I have been to the other side, and it is a dark place. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing, John Malkovich is amazing in this because he's amazing in everything. Yeah. But all right. So uh, any given Sunday, it's a movie about football, which I have absolutely no interest in. Go, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> she plays the uh, owner of the team, and she's like the, your tip. Uh, she inherited the team from her father, and she's like the the. This whole movie is all about two dimensional stereotype characters. Yeah, and and she is the stereotypical strong woman. I'm gonna stand up to you because you know, and and, and I'm gonna be a bigger bitch than any of you because I have to be to get your respect. And yada yada, blah blah blah. It's an Oliver Stone joint. Al Pacino, Dennis Quaid, James Woods, Jamie Foxx, LL Cool J. I saw it once. I don't need to ever see it again. I saw it in the theater with about uh, six or seven other people. It was supposed to be such a huge, you know, ensemble type movie. You know, everybody wanted to go see it opening weekend, so we went with some people. And I mean, it was okay. It was nothing special at all. Yeah. It was <laughs> the. This is going to make me sound like an old man, but I mean, I was twenty-seven at the time, so I don't think it, this applies, but. The main takeaway from it was when I came out of the movie, I was like, that movie was very loud. (laughs) (laughs) You were not 27 at the time. (laughs) You were 27 and 73. (laughs) Because they just made such an effort to make every single tackle sound like, you know, two rhinos clashing, you know, and every hit and every cloud, you know, every cheer of the stadium, every pass. If a guy caught it, it sounded like somebody threw a boulder. You know, I was like, come on. Yeah, it's no last Boy Scout. Oh, don't get me started on that piece of crap. <laughs> All right, so after that, a movie no one has seen, well, except for, I mean, no one in this group has seen, you can tell, things you can tell just by looking at her, which, looking at the poster, looks like a dramatic movie that would make people cry. Oh, uh, it's I've... a vignette about a bunch of different women. I know that uh, Cameron Diaz played a blind character in this one. I almost saw it, but... Almost wasn't enough to throw it on the list. But in this one, she gets billed after, first billing after Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. So, but before Callista Flockhart. So, And that's saying something at this time. Yeah, because this is when yep. uh, Callista Flockhart's, uh, what's that show? Ally McBeal. Yeah, that's, this was, that was full going on at that point. So, nobody's seen it, but good, good on you. <laughs> and then things went weird. <laughs> She played Why? 
Natalie Cook in Charlie's Angels. Underwear dancing. I liked most of Charlie's Angels. I like most it. of Charlie's Angels too, but I feel bad about it. I, I don't like it. <laughs> you don't even. I like mean, it. I didn't like Tom Green in this. Tom, but... I don't like Tom Green in fucking anything. That guy is <laughs> that's that guy is position but, awful, and he is comedy cancer. But they balanced out heavily, balanced out that with Bill Murray as Bosley. And Crispin Glover at his best. Holy crap, he was so creepy. He kept all, smelling that hair. Yeah, and he always it was always different hair. And his just he even fought creepy. Yeah. That was the thing, is his performance like I liked him and I liked Cameron Diaz, could take or leave Lucy Liu, could take or leave uh Drew Barrymore. Definitely leave Drew Barrymore. I've never liked her. What? Uh oh come no. on. Really? Ew, yeah. You ew. are heartless. I know this. <laughs> well, I, here's well, here's I'm, the thing I'm, about I'm, Charlie's I'm, Angels. This was okay. this was Drew Barrymore's pet project. She'd been wanting to do this forever. She even you know produced the film, and so I mean there was a lot of her in it. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was at the time when remakes and reimaginings were kind of hitting their stride or starting to. And um, the only real problem with I, ha- I have is that the director has got to be one of the most pretentious a-holes. Well, anybody ever. that calls yeah. themselves Mick G, you got to right. worry about <clears throat> Exactly. But it's fun. It does what it's supposed to do. The action scenes are exciting. Crispin Glover steals the entire movie from everybody. Absolutely. Bill Murray's in it. And it's, it's worth watching. I own the first and second one just because they're fun to watch. I thought it was dumbed down to crap. Yeah, because the uh, original Charlie's Angels, which was, was uh, such high theater. Touche on that one, yes. <laughs> it's also one of the very early appearances of Melissa McCarthy. Yep. Yep. I liked it, but I was just like... Yeah. It's, har- it's hard to explain. I put it on after we finished dinner. Okay, Charlie's Angels, we'll watch this. Nope, Daddy has to watch this for his show. Yeah, she's in her underwear. Yeah. Why don't you go do something else? <laughs> just like, no, it was, uh, it's, it's stupid. It, again, it's stupid fun. Well, and her character was just like this ray of saccharine laced sunshine, which was awesome counterpart to the others. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this movie, more than anything, made me dislike Lucy Liu. Hearing how much she got into it with Bill Murray, where he would not uh, return for the sequels. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's when, when the cameras weren't rolling, he wouldn't even address her. And in fact, uh, they had to pull them apart because she attacked him. In fact, I'm pretty sure we talked about that when we did the Bill Murray show. Oh, I didn't. He, <laughs> I must have uh, missed that. Hey. You weren't, you weren't there for that one. Yeah. Check out the soundtrack, Joel. It's got such great songs like Independent Women Part 1 by Destiny Child. <laughs> it's got True by Spandu Ballet. Mm, Baby Got like Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. And what else does it have? Hey, it's got Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by The Looking Glass. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I'm amazed that he doesn't know that song, but you're almost angry. <laughs> I am angry because it's like... How can you not know that song? That is such a classic song. 
Well, we just, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be there to introduce him to it. Yes. You should. And everybody should go on there and spam his Facebook page with the video. <laughs> Not that video. Not that one. Oh. Hey, uh, speaking of Winchester Cathedral. Why would we speak of that? Because it's an awesome song, and we should take a break, and I'll go listen to it. Oh, okay. That's fair. Right on. Oh, Dory, oh, Dory. Oh, Dory. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We are going to talk about some more Diaz. So I got some more trivia for the now for this one. So as I said before, uh, Forbes ranked her as the 60th most wealthy, richest female celebrity, which is terrible grammar. <laughs> Wait, no. She was the richest female celebrity, uh, 60 out of the wealthiest 100 celebrities, right? Yeah. yeah, she was number 60 out of the top 100. Yeah, but it wasn't top 100 female. It was the top 100 celebrities. Oh, Yes, she's the richest female. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. So the other 59 were all men then. That's, oh, yes. crap. Good for her. Yes. Uh, also, in 2005, the National Enquirer showed Diaz cheating on her boyfriend at the time, a one Justin Timberlake, with the married MTV producer of her show Trippin', which I have never seen, Shane Nickerson. Who sounds like a douchebag, just the name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it turns out to be all false, and the magazine apologized to Cameron Diaz, Timberlake, and Nickerson, and uh, to his wife, Nickerson's wife, for the distress caused, and said the story was untrue, and the picture showed no more than a goodbye hug between friends. Is the National Enquirer even still around? Yep, it's still telling lies about celebrities with pictures taken out of context. Oh, well, good for them. If you see, if you find something you're good at, stick with it. Even if what you're doing is being a parasite. Morally corrupt. If you're good at it, stick with it. Yeah. Let that be a lesson to you. Never try. Yeah. All right. So after uh, Charlie's Angels, she did a movie that none of us have seen called The Invisible Circus. It's one that I have wanted to see for a while. It's got a very young Christopher Eccleston in it. Basically, it's a story of Cameron Diaz's character committed suicide in the 70s, and her sister goes to Europe to f try and find out why, and ends up falling in love with her boyfriend at the time, who's played, like I said, by a young Christopher Eccleston. Huh. Who would then, as we know, go on to play Doctor Who in 2005. And was in Shallow Grave that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Wait, we didn't mention Shallow Grave. Yes, we did. Yep, we did. We did? We did. Yes. I did. Yeah, briefly. Oh. Okay. When Eric Stoltz came up. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, 2001 <laughs> also sees Princess Fiona, where uh, Cameron Diaz gets her voice on and plays the voice of the princess in Shrek. Um, really well. Yeah, it's on the short list of good DreamWorks films. Yeah. I mean, this one, she was also, you know, as we all know, opposite Michael Myers and uh, Eddie Murphy. But did a great job of playing the princess. I mean, her, she. And in you... the morning, we're making waffles. That was not her line. That is not <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't remember any of her lines, but. Yeah. And she did 
all the subsequent sequels, she became, yeah. Yeah. It's a big, big role for her. Well, I mean, honestly, if you're an actress and you're saying, hey, I'll get paid pretty much the same thing that I'm going to get paid for being in a real movie and just talking to a mic all day, I can be that mic. <laughs> <laughs> so after but this, voice work is not as easy hey, as it right. sounds, but it's still, it's standing in a studio versus standing over a green screen hung by wires, definitely easier. Oh, yeah. So, uh, after this, she gets a little weird with Vanilla Sky, which all of you have seen except for me. So, go. I love this movie so much. And uh, I want to hear Joel's take on it, because in particular for this episode, I wanted him to watch this, because this is one of those films that, like, somehow most people haven't seen or have some sort of negative opinion of. Maybe they hate Tom Cruise. Maybe they hate Penelope Cruise. But it's it's weird and it's wonderful. Well, <clears throat> I was one of those people, and it's not anything to do with the pedigree, other than I'm not a Penelope Cruz fan. Um, uh, Cameron Crowe always makes movies that hit me square between the heart, so you know I, I will always watch his films. So I, I I don't know exactly what kept me away from it. I like all the elements minus Penelope, and um, I had no expectations going into it. I knew very little about it, and as Josh and the rest of you saw in the chat, <laughs> I kind of got caught, of course, with his music, because he always does great soundtracks in the films, and um, she was suitably the uh, crazy ex-girlfriend, um, and overall, just for the film itself, once it hit that certain point where things become understood, I was like... Wow. And yeah, it is so hard to talk about this film without blowing the whole thing up. And if you haven't seen it, I know, Pat, you said it was spoiled for you. Yes. But like, I think it's kind of important to the experience to like not quite know what's going on. Cause that's like how the whole beginning of the film. Yeah. It would have been better not going into it, you know, going into it blind, but it didn't, I mean, it, it, it didn't cheapen the movie. To me, knowing what was going on. Yeah, great cast. Uh, Kurt Russell, Jason Lee, uh, Noah Taylor, Tilda Swinton. Well, yeah, and by the end of it, I I was very impressed, and I wanted to see it again so I could catch on to the things that were now known. And not to and mention the, the cinematography is beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah, it's highly highly recommended. Yeah, it is the remake of uh, Abre los Ojos. Uh, it's uh, Alejandro Amenabar's film of just like three years earlier. And I think uh, Penelope Cruz is actually in the original as well, playing the same character. It's also the number three on the menu, if you're wondering. Comes with refried beans. <laughs> All right, so uh, after that, the sweetest thing. Where she's holding a big book. <laughs> but in this one, she's playing uh, this top build over Christina Applegate and Selma Blair. It's this a comedy. And it continues her gross-out comedy trend. It's basically um, a, a girl's version of a guy gross-out comedy. Yeah, exactly. Lots of swearing, lots of 
disgusting things happen. It, it's I, their girls are just as funny as guys movie. I thought it was. I thought it was enjoyable. There's Cameron Diaz dance number, and uh, again, <laughs> it's 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 worth watching once. But if you don't like gross out comedy or lots of swearing, then it's not really for for you. That's why I didn't see it, and it's unfortunate because I really like uh, Cameron Diaz, Christina Applegate, Selma Blair, and Thomas Jane. Jason Bateman, he's in there too. Mm-hmm. So uh, after this, another movie that I have not seen. Gangs of New York. I have not seen Gangs of New York, and after hearing Patrick go on about it, I it's really not on my list. But he's <laughs> on this, she's on this with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Daniel Day Lewis. Wait, how does Patrick go on about it, Patrick? This sucks. I'm never going to watch it again. <laughs> there you go. I I don't appreciate this movie like a lot of people do. Um, I think I think Daniel Day Lewis's Bill the Butcher is is way too over the top. I think you know. Leonardo DiCaprio is himself. I mean, he's he's good. He's fine. He's you know he's as good as he is in any other movie. Um, Cameron Diaz's accent is awful. Her character doesn't really serve much of a purpose. She was just thrown in there to be a love interest and to get a female lead in there. I mean, she should have had a much better part. Her part was just so weak. Um, the 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 setup, you know, like the absolute just pl- public violent slaughter scenes. You know, I mean, the outright. I don't know. It's just it's a it's a beautiful, stylish movie that doesn't have a whole lot of substance in my eyes. Um, I, I will politely disagree with you. Uh, this, a lot of people do. Yeah. I I love this movie to a weird degree, and it's not necessarily for the different moving parts, but I I literally had dreams about it after I watched it, <laughs> and uh, to this day I will count this as. Uh, I'm still saying it's probably my favorite on-screen character performance in a movie. Uh, Bill the Butcher, played by Danny Day-Lewis, just is and phenomenal. I don't understand why everybody loves it so much. I just, I, I mean, it's just too much scenery chewing to me. I mean, he's one, he's one degree away from Nicolas Cage. In See, I, I love the world that was created. I will concede the point that her accent was horrible, and that's something we've will continue to see is in general she's great charisma beautiful talented no good with accents yeah her accent work is not good all right and after this she jumps back into charlie's angels full throttle the one with demi moore yeah the one with uh bernie mac is bosley oh yeah that's right nah I've I mean, never seen it. I feel this way about out uh I feel the way about this one that most people feel about the first one. Just like eh like I like Cameron Diaz again, but this this one just I don't know, it wasn't as good as the first one. Well they had sure had enough names in here. They had everybody from uh well Crispin Glover came back. They had like mm-hmm. said Demi Moore, uh John Cleese, Bruce Willis. Uh, Luke Wilson, Robert Patrick, and then a ton of cameos ranging from Pink to Melissa McCarthy to, uh, geez. The Olsen twins? Yeah, the Olsen twins to some guy named Gary O'Siri. I don't know who that is, but he had a, he had a cameo in that. Uh, 
I'm with Josh on this one. Same old, same old. She's playing the same character. Hey, we did that before and it made a lot of money. Let's do it again. Sounds it was fun. It's a, it's a, it's again, it's a popcorn movie that you watch on a Saturday afternoon. Yep. And you watch it primarily for Crispin Glover. Was there a shorty shorts dance in this one? The there problem. was some sort of dance, yes. Yeah. I mean, the poster is just her big butt. Well, I mean, <laughs> not big butt, but her, the big picture of her butt. Um, after this, Shrek 2, Princess Fiona. Uh, more of the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even but Shrekier. Even Shrekier, yeah. It's still fun. It's well done. And the characters are so likable that it, it, it carries a movie. I, I enjoy it. And uh, In Her Shoes, with <clears throat> where she is top billed over Shirley MacLaine. Uh, produced by Ridley Scott, Curtis Hansen, Tony Scott, but I don't know what this is about. It's about shoes. I think it was <laughs> a, like it was like a, a um shoes, a Devil Wears Prada kind of thing. She yes. Shirley MacLaine was playing her boss. Yeah, yeah, this sounds like something that would make some something that was designed to make uh, people cry. All right, so the holiday has only been seen by Patrick Whaley. Yes. Cameron Diaz versus, well, not versus, along with Kate Winslet, <laughs> Jude Law, yeah, and... Diaz. This is the one where, like, they they um switch places. Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz, they go to each other's lives for to take a vacation in each other and be each other's lives for a little while, and they both meet a love interest while they're in each other's countries. And like, Jack Black, Jack, too. Jack Black, yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, it was a fun movie. It wasn't anything... Amazing! It just was. It was a nice but romantic like, comedy, like Freaky Friday. No, no, no it's okay. not like they were like trying to switch lives. They just said, "Hey, I need a, I, I need a change of scenery." Oh, me too. And they just kind of decided to flip for a little bit. Oh, okay. Stay right. in each other's place, and you know, whatever. So, so they didn't switch bodies. They just right went to each other's homes, and exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it's called the holiday. They both took a holiday and went to each, and, they, and like went and lived in each other's houses. Oh well, there you go. Uh, after that, knocking out a couple more Shreks, Shrek the Third and Shrek the Halls. Uh, more of the same and more Christmassy. And then What Happens in Vegas, which I initially put down that I had seen, but realized I just misplaced Shrek the Halls. Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the Ashton Kutcher movie about, you know, a couple that meets in Vegas and gets married right away and they end up, you know, fighting each other and hating each other and blah, blah, blah. And by the end of the movie, guess what? We're in love. Oh okay. You just yeah. Doesn't he like immediately hit the uh, like a million dollar jackpot or something? Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right at the the like immediately after they're coming out or whatever, uh, they both they hit a jackpot on a slot machine and they start arguing about who who gets the money, which one of them is do it because you know it's one of those things where they set up the scene where it's like her quarter, but he's the one playing the machine, yada yada. You know. Oh, okay. So uh, then after that. My Sister's Keeper. She plays Sarah Fitzgerald. Again, Patrick is the only one who has seen this. She plays uh, opposite Abigail Breslin, known for uh, Zombieland. Yep. And uh, My Little Sunshine. Yeah. And Maggie. Mm-hmm. Or Miss Little Sunshine. Little Miss yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. Little, thank you. I knew that. And sunshine like, had the pants hour. I'm all like, none of that sounds right as I'm saying it. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a Fucking movie fried about, chicken. Uh, <laughs> Fucking chicken. Uh, what? That's just Alan. move on. <laughs> oh yeah, Alan. again with yeah. the fucking chicken. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, this is a sad movie. 
it's uh, about her younger sister getting cancer and dying. This is one of two movies that I just I will not watch again. Just one of two. What's too the sad. other one? Uh, the other one being Fifty Fifty, the oh, Joseph Gordon Levitt movie. When I, I went to see that in the theater with with a friend of mine, and we were ninety seconds in, and it was they were in the oncologist office talking, and I just started crying. I'm like, this may not have been a very good idea. <laughs> right, right. Oh man, too many people in my life have died of cancer. And I've been in this office too many times. <laughs> Now, after this, Joel is the only person who has seen The Box, which, looking at the... Yeah, it was Richard Matheson's story. Button, button. Yeah, I really want to see this. I do, too. I, I mean, I, it, I had such high hopes for this movie when I saw the trailer for it the first time, but I never got a chance to see it. Hmm. Well, here's the I thing. I meant to see it this week, and I was going to watch it today, and time just ran away from me. Good premise. Great cast. Richard Kelly directed and produced it, uh, wrote the screenplay of it, and Richard Kelly, for those of you who don't know, is the guy that behind Donnie Darko. And of course, Donnie Darko made a huge impression when it hit the hit the theaters. But basically, it tells the story of Frank Langella shows up at uh, James Marsden and Cameron Diaz's home. It's 1976. Uh, he leaves a box and says he'll be back. The box has a button in it. He comes back and explains to her that if she pushes the button, someone she doesn't know will die, and she gets a million dollars in cash. So I'd be a billionaire before you knew it. It's only once, though. <laughs> oh, damn. And so from there, things kind of unravel into what becomes the rest of the film, which I can't explain it if I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> it's it's very much in you know that same kind of Donnie Darko... To weird I'd be, I'd be the guy he's like if you push this button you get a million dollars but Me. someone di- I'm just hitting wait 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 <laughs> before he's done with dollars I get a million something <laughs> and a million of something has got to be good <laughs> so. but you know it's it's they're they're both doing accents and it's um uh I don't know it's yeah her 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 southern accent is just it's it's such a I don't want to use the word insult because that's too strong, but it's just, it's annoying how stereotypical her, her like, it's, it's like, who is your voice coach that's telling you to talk like this? Well, and the problem is she slips in and out of it. It's not like she's consistent. Yeah, it's never strong. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's something that, I mean, if you really love Donna, Donnie Darko, it's worth watching for that, but I don't ever need to see it again. I'm Donnie still Darko? cracking up over the idea of Patrick with the box. He's hitting the button. It's like, you only get the million once. I know, but does someone still die? <laughs> <laughs> please please <laughs> tell me I'm killing people. <laughs> now, give me that box. You're a dick. <laughs> no right. box for you. So after the box, she falls into I just, something. I keep, I, I keep hitting it, hoping it's going to be me. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that got dark. Wow. Uh, so after the box... She falls into something she knows and does some more Shrek. Yay. Two more Shreks. Yeah, oh Shrek God, Forever After. So and there's a lot, man. There's well, a- those are two of those are TV specials. Well, yeah. And they call her, hey, you want to do the voice? Yeah, sure, whatever. I'm so, sure she's contracted. And after that, she gets into it again with a uh, Tom, Cru- Tom Cruise with Night and Day. That was a fun movie. I, I wanted to see this. Directed by James Mangold. It's... um. The action is a little stunted, but it's it's fun. Yeah, it's it's a good Saturday afternoon kind of thing. Exactly. 
I watched it on cable one day, just, you know, had it in the background while I was doing whatever. I mean, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it, but I mean, it was, it was good fun bag. and exciting. Good enough to be background noise. <laughs> yeah. Tom Cruise plays kind of like a spy who's trying to get this, uh, battery to, um, uh, a buyer of some sort. Paul Dano plays a smart guy that like created it. And Cameron Diaz kind of falls into the whole thing and is not a spy in any way. She's yeah, trying to get to her sister's the, wedding. Yeah, she's the everyman that you see all this crazy stuff happen through her eyes. But yeah, it, it's worth watching, for sure. At least once. All right. And, and I forgot she was in the Green Hornet. Yeah, I didn't remember that either. But the, as soon as I said it, I remember that she was the she was the woman that played opposite Seth Rogen that he kept trying to hit on and she would just kept re- rebuffing him. Oh, that's what I remember this. I haven't seen the movie, but that I, I kept thinking that there was a video game attached to this. This was, probably was. Well, no, there wasn't. There were, the trailer was a video game. Well, actually, it was a, a game with quick time events where you had the arrow keys, and then as you, as things happened to them, you had, it was almost like Dragon's Letter where you had to hit the keys in a certain order or before a certain time, and then you would go into more cuts in the, of, the, of the movie. Which is kind of cool. That's where I remember about that. But after that, she plays Lenore Case in The Green Hornet. Which I have... Oh, shit. This whole time I thought you were talking about The Green Hornet. No, I was talking about Night and Day. Because <laughs> I had moved on from the, to The Green Hornet. No, yeah, no. Night and, day, night and Day, the, the trailer was a was a game. <laughs> okay. So, Green Hornet. Now we're on that. Go, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Rogen. Um, yeah, but he play he plays, or she plays the love interest of Seth Rogen, yep. who never really becomes the, never really becomes anything. He just keeps trying to make something happen. Like I said, and she, and she keeps, get, he keeps getting rebuffed. Which so this the, was Seth Rogen's pet project. Yes. But yeah, she for, didn't, I mean, her role in this movie could have been played by anybody, honestly. Yeah. Hmm. Agreed. All it, right. It, again, it's a fun, though, Saturday afternoon kind of, kind of movie. Yep, and then after this, Bad Teacher, where she won a, like, a kid's popularity award for this? What? She won, like, a kid's choice award? Yeah. Young, what a kid-friendly movie. Yeah, she won, she won 2011 Teen Choice Award. award. She won it uh, for actress uh, and comedy movie, which is weird, because this is not something that... I would have let kids see. No. <laughs> uh, I watched this last night. Yeah, I watched this today. Yeah. I watched it last night, too. Um, this is where she's getting her Jason Siegel on, I think. Well, he was in the movie. Well, no, I mean, he, she does more with him later on, though. Yeah. And yeah. I think this, they... I was shocked at how much I liked this. It was, it was good, but in the end... I didn't like her enough to be happy for her. See, the thing, she is a thoroughly despicable person, but the sort that you're sort of rooting for, I mean, because the titles are the similar, are similar, I'm sort of come back to Bad Santa. Okay. She's got a lot more charisma, though, than Billy Bob. Thornton. And that was what I was going to say, is her charisma and her kind of figuring things out about herself and actually she starts with selfish motives and then ends up incidentally doing good and liking the way it fits. Yeah. I, I ended up liking this a lot more than Bad Santa. 
I I will give you that. I did like this better than Bad Santa. I I mean I I don't know. I left this movie going, Jason, you're gonna regret that decision, but go for it for now. Good luck, man. Um, <laughs> the sex will be crazy. Uh, <laughs> but no, this this was actually pretty dang funny. Plus the car wash scene and shorty shorts. Yeah, and I having worked in a school for so many years. Uh, Special shout-outs to Lucy Punch playing Amy Squirrel oh, and yeah, Phyllis yeah. Smith as Lynn. Yeah, and uh, Justin Timberlake as the substitute teacher. Who- I mean, he was fine, but like Lynn and Amy Squirrel are caricatures, sh- to be sure, but I have known teachers like both of them. Yeah, I was going to say that those had to be very realistic portrayals. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'd actually say that Elizabeth Halsey is not as far... Not as over the top as you might think. <laughs> oh no, not at no. all. More, more of teacher. More teachers are like her than you would want to believe. Yeah. yeah, we've got a couple teachers that play regularly in the poker rooms. So yeah, guess what, kids? They don't like you. <laughs> I have to agree with all of your assessments on the film, though. I, I definitely walked away from it enjoying it a lot more than I was expecting to. Yeah, and Phyllis Smith uh, was hilarious, especially when she's. Ooh, I'm I'm gonna get you the one percent. I'll surprise you. <laughs> and then she she's gets so high. Good. Her delivery is so good on stuff. Yeah, and when she's at the bar and she's dancing with with the two uh, cowboys. Yeah, that I mean, I, the, it's all of them. Everybody in this movie is a caricature of someone that you knew in school, some yeah. teacher you had, and I think that's what makes it so attractive is that you knew that there was this one teacher who was there, and you knew she didn't like you, and she was just. Getting to the end of the day, just like you were. Synchronicity. Anyway. You mean so I saw this- Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that has to do with the movie, but good for you, Joel. Yay. Shut up. So I saw this movie in Las Vegas. Um, it was part of a little uh, block of movies that my friend Chris and I had rented for the night to see. Because we had decided we were not going to gamble. It was a- We had to leave at like 8 in the morning. To, our flight left at like eight in the morning, so we decided we'll just stay in. We bought a couple bottles of liquor down at the um, at the gift shop and went up to the room and we're like, let's just watch some movies, some funny movies. And Chris at the time was twenty one; he was still into the college mindset of like you know drinking games. So he's like, why don't we drink every time something, every time we laugh while we watch these movies? I'm like, all right, oh god. <laughs> so we're like, let's start with this, a simple, easy movie. We're going to start with Cedar Rapids, which turned out to be hysterical. So we were we were well uh, we were almost done with our first bottles by the time the first movie was over. <laughs> the second movie we saw was Bad Teacher, <laughs> and by the time Bad Teacher was done, we went to Bridesmaids, and I don't remember oh, the shit. end of Bridesmaids. <laughs> <laughs> and the next morning comes our, our alarm. We just pass out both of us in the middle of Bridesmaids, and the next morning comes and it comes way too fast when our alarms start going off at six o'clock. And uh, we're, pa- we're packing, still, you know, still drunk and trying to pack up to, to leave. And our one of our rituals every time we go to Vegas together is we have to stop. We, we get the taxi to go through the drive-thru at In-N-Out Burger. And we eat our In-N-Out Burgers on the way to the flight. Nice. So we're still drunk, pretty much, trying to eat our In-N-Out Burgers in the back seat of the cab. And it's just not going well. And I end up, like, try- 
by the time I'm, I'm done with my burger, I'm standing over a trash can outside of the terminal, just trying to shove the last of it in my face and throw the rest away. Long story short, we're on our flight, and I just look at him at one point, and I'm just like, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> and I pull the, the barf bag out and just start puking. Oh, you actually used the bag. I did, yeah. I mean, this, th- th- there's, there's a lot more to this story. I'm truncating a lot of it. But um, I did start throwing up, and it was, it was not good. The whole plane heard it because it happened while we were coming in for landing. So it was just completely silent, and it's just... <laughs> and at one, and I look, and, and I had this lady sitting next to me that was just, she was such a nice older lady, nice darling of a lady. <laughs> we'd been, we'd been bonding the whole flight, talking and stuff, and the whole time I was just feeling just awful, but I was trying to be nice. And I just look over at her, and I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm, you know, I, I'd gotten some, uh, some Kleenex from Chris, who, you know, who got Kleenexes somewhere, I don't know. And I wipe my face off, and I look at her, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, ma'am. I, don't, I really don't do this very often. And, and I turn and I look at Chris, and I'm like, God, I was like, I was like, I feel like shit. And he just looks at me and he goes, You still got a lot of puke in your beard, buddy. <laughs> So I'm sitting there carrying a conversation with this woman, like, yeah, I'm real sorry about this, and apparently just my beard is just coated. Oh, you know? my God, and your beard wasn't anything to shake a stick at either, too, and that was a big old furry face of yours. Yeah, so I'm this poor lady just looking at me, and I'm just like talking, keep talking to her, I'm like, I'm, you know, I normally have a really strong stomach, and she's just like, oh, my Jesus. I don't really do this, but... Is that potato? Ew. So that's my bad teacher story. That's how I saw a bad teacher. Or at least you think you saw a bad teacher. <laughs> and that's how you tested out the sick bag. Right on. Yep. Yep. All First, right. The one and only time I ever actually blew chunks on a plane. Now, after this, she played Jules. <laughs> In What to Expect When You're Expecting. Show of hands, who saw this? Nobody? Moving on. Yeah, I, I would have to be dragged kicking and screaming to see that. Yeah. Based on the book. Yeah. Which is why we're not going to go see it. Right. right. Uh, after this, we all saw Gambit not that long ago. <laughs> Shorty yeah, short I mean, stance, because you have to have one. Yeah. I mean, you could, we could spend time on it, or you guys could just go back and listen to our show about Gambit. Right. So, not so far long ago. Yeah, wasn't that long ago? With, And then you can also watch the original, and you get sexy Michael Caine. <laughs> I knew you were going to fit that in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, before, That's what she said. Next one. She plays the voice of Sigmund Freud in the Liar's Autobiography, an untrue story of Monty Python's Graham Chapman, <laughs> which I did not know existed, but ne- now need to watch. It's yeah. streaming on Netflix, I believe, still. Oh, it is. All right. So then after this, she's in The Counselor, where she gets billing above Brad Pitt. Yeah, this is another Ridley Scott collaboration, another one with Penelope Cruz. Yeah, Penelope Which... Cruz, Michael Fassbender. Oh, Javi... this is the, the uh, lawyer one, right? Yep. Yeah. I it, almost it... watched it because it sounded interesting, but I chose the box. Yeah, well, and then also we have, after that, she does In a World. Which... Where danger lives. Sorry. She, wait, In a World... It's a documentary, I believe. Yeah, she was herself in a trailer for it. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, moving on, nobody saw the movie called The Other Woman, but she was in it with Leslie Mann and Kate Upton. 
and Nicki Minaj and Don Johnson to make it weird. Yeah, it's another romantic comedy. All right, cool. And then she was in Sex Tape, and all of us saw that because there's another Shorty Shorts dance. And another Jake Kasdan movie. And Jason, of... Jason Siegel yep. playing with her also, and a Rob Lowe, who I think was friggin' hilarious in this. I really enjoyed what, this movie. Would you like to see Rob Lowe doing blow? <laughs> was... Rob Lowe did kind of steal the scenes he was in. Yes, he did. I love the fact that all of his all uh, his portraits were all done in uh, in Disney style. Yeah, yeah, his face on Disney characters. <laughs> that was amazing, especially the the um the Pinocchio one was where I lost it. It it, it made me want to get one of those commissioned for myself. <laughs> like, um, myself myself as Sebastian hanging out with Ariel. I got. I actually have. <laughs> when I, we had seen the sex tape, Susanna watched it like last year or sometime. Um, the the phrase "nobody understands the cloud" for some reason stuck with me. <laughs> it was like it's in the cloud. How can it be in the cloud? Nobody understands the cloud. For um, people who haven't seen it, we should say oh, what yeah. the movie's about. Yeah. Well. Okay. So Cameron Diaz and Jason's for some reason Cameron Diaz and Jason Segel their sex life is waning, which I don't understand because it's Cameron Diaz and Jason Segel. Uh, so they decide that they're going to liven things up and make a sex tape. They're going to do every position in the Joy of Sex book right. in one sitting. Right. Yep. So, Three hours recorded on an iPad. Right. Which is why you should never trust anything with the Apple logo on it. Uh, because it uploads it to the cloud and apparently, they're doing rather well for themselves because they gave out a bunch of iPads for Christmas gifts that year. Right. Well, that's his thing. He he gets two iPads every time a new one comes out, and he gives the other ones away. So a bunch of people, including the mailman, have an iPad. <laughs> and they're all linked to the same cloud. So their video shoots out to everybody, and then things happen. They actually wind up having to get to uh, UPorn to destroy their web servers. Uh, after interacting with, like I said, the previous uh, Coke-riddled Rob Lowe. Jack Black has a pretty funny cameo. Yeah, he does. Well, uh, he's got the, the, the very distasteful but honest words of wisdom that are, actually gives a lot of good advice, but with some <laughs> very, very dirty metaphors and foul language. Yeah. It's As he is wont to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another standout here is a restrained but a really great performance from Ellie Kemper, best known for Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Like her and uh, Rob Corddry as the couple who is their best friend. Like both of them, he's kind of the a little bit uh, more out there, wild, wacky of the two. And her performance is uh, a little bit more restrained, but I thought she was awesome in this. Well, and you can't go wrong with Rob Corddry, in my opinion. Yeah, I love that man. He's yeah. always funny. So yeah, so this but, this I think did all of us enjoy this one? Yeah, I mean it's from the same same folks that did uh, Bad Teacher. You know, it's yeah. the same same group, same director, same writer, same. I think everything. I think it was a little more um, t- uh, I'll say toned up or honed. They got their they got all the rough edges out. So I enjoyed it. Thought it was fun. Three thumbs up. Oh yeah. Then she played Hannigan in Annie, which I have heard she did a good job on, but I have not seen the movie yet, because it's Annie. Uh, this thing was the biggest 
monster of marketing before it came out. I mean, they were pimping it after before every single film for six months before it ever hit the screen. And it's sick. I'm sorry, but it disappeared so fast. I forgot all about it until just now when you were talking about it. Like, I, oh, that movie did exist. Yeah. I did. I was so loath, loathsome of it. Every time I went to the movies, they had a preview for it. And I'm like, come on. Well, <laughs> Juliana wanted it for, uh, Christmas. I think it was Christmas. It might have been Easter. Um, we, she wanted it for Christmas. We got it at Easter time. Anyway, I did see it finally. And, um, it's actually, quite a bit of fun i mean it's got a good cast the music's well done and honestly i think uh cameron diaz his take on hannigan was one of the the highlights of the film she kind of think kind of bad teacher but as a uh the head of an orphanage so like a sympathetic villain kind of yeah i mean she she tries hard and but she's goofy and over the top she's not quite you know carol burnett but she does her best, and um, why, why did this movie disappear so quickly? Then I I don't know because when I watched it, I was expecting nothing. I was expecting really low budget, well, not low budget, low quality, and I wasn't going to like it. it. But mainly because it got bombed by the by the critics. Uh, the critics, uh, yeah. Chicago Tribune gave it a one and a half star rating. It currently is sitting at a thirty twenty no twenty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it seemed like the consensus was everyone liked Cameron Diaz, and everyone was like, what the hell happened to Jamie Foxx? We know he can act. Why didn't he? Right. I think I think it just it just oversaturation and I mean it's it's not like it's gonna change the world, but it's it's fun and it's it's kind of a nice modern take on the old story and I enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh but since then she has been in an episode of Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> and that's it. Well, she's I mean, yeah. reached that point in her career where she can do what she wants to do when she wants to do it. And maybe right now she just wants to take a break. And she's been writing books. She's been getting more involved with other side, like passion projects mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with acting. Right. Well, I mean, and, but she's also been doing stuff like, did you know there was actually a bad teacher TV series? No. What? Produced, no. Yeah. The 13 episodes produced by Cameron Diaz. Huh. Yeah. Uh, starring Ari Grainer. Yeah. Ari Grainer as Meredith Davis as the bad teacher. I had no idea. Yeah. Same here. That's maybe something else she's done. 2014. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, she can pick and choose at this point. Yeah, and like lately she's been on this like transcendental meditation, uh, health kick, uh, when she, uh, made her book, the body book, Feed, Move, Understand, and Love Your Amazing Body. It like went, rocketed up to number two on New York Times bestseller list. So. I would be curious for those of the people that were naysayers before, uh, this episode was aired. I'm curious if we've, uh, affected anybody's opinion or given them the thought to uh, give her a second chance. Oh, she actually wrote another book that came out this year. Yeah, another health book, right? The Longevity Book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the Bad Teacher on IMDb, the the TV series, and uh, it was 2014, it looks like, when it came out. Got decent reviews, it looks like, but uh, Sarah Gilbert was in it, uh, and David Allen Greer and Kristen Davis. Interesting. 
So. All right. Well, I think we're pretty much up to date on Cameron Diaz. So what do we have on tap for next week? Aliens. Aliens. Welcome to Earth. Yeah. (laughs) Independence Day. We are with the release of Independence Day. uh, What what is the new one called? Independence Day 2. Or Independence. Yes. Independencer. Uh, With it being released tonight. We are going to go see that. <laughs> now, with 25% more Bill Pullman. Yes. <laughs> and 35% more Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Sexy Gold, Jeff Goldblum. No, that's not. That's, not a, that, that's long past. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. For the 4th of July, uh, right, right before the 4th of July, we'll be dropping that episode. So, look out for that. And if uh, you want to talk about anything, like maybe we changed your mind on Cameron Diaz, maybe you thought one of the movies we thought was awesome was terrible, uh, or maybe one of the ones we didn't see was a favorite of yours, uh, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and if you want to get us on the web, like I said, we're on Facebook at 40Go14. Uh, you can also find us at our home on the web if you want to stream us at 40Go14.com and 40Go14 at Twitter. So there you go. Wood, wood. That's an interesting take on Winchester Cathedral. <laughs> Listen to me masturbate Winchester Cathedral. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha